Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Chrono Stream and arrive at episode number 309. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I am full of joy and Christmas cheer, <laughs> and I even work today. Oh! Did you work early? I did. Uh-huh. I told Matt, I need to have the early shift when we go to extended hours, because I, I couldn't be there till 11. <laughs> no, you really couldn't. No. <laughs> I stacked, uh, uh, I had a whole stack of DVDs I was going to bring in today, I thought. And it was this, this morning when I got up, and I thought, oh, Sean won't be there till later, so I'll go later. I didn't go later either, but oh, I, I could have gone when some I went. Of his DVDs. No, no, no. I had all stacked. <laughs> yeah, DVDs. That's what I was hoping. Well, some, some <laughs> of the ones, the ones that he loaned me, I was going to trade those for cash. Yeah, for cash. <laughs> lucky for you, <laughs> you wouldn't know. <laughs> no, lucky for you, I have a card at work <laughs> that says if Glenn comes if Glenn in with comes these, in with these <laughs> they're mine. <laughs> no, I've got all my James Bond that I've replaced on Blu-ray Steelbook, and so I have a bunch of DVDs that I'm replacing. Uh, Plus, I have a Sword in the Stone, which I accidentally got two of somehow, so on DVD. It's worth about four fifty. <laughs> Not worth anything sitting there as, as a double for me right now. So no, all of it. It's worth about four. Oh, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole stack. Well, it's all none of it's worth anything to me right now because I already have two. Good. So. We'll be happy to take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys do anything besides watch Rogue One? <laughs> Yes, I saw the best movie of the year. Better than Rogue One. Better than Rogue One. You should talk about The Arrival. Oh, okay. Let me talk about The Arrival. <laughs> it was the best movie of the year. <laughs> Did you see it? Okay. You have not seen not it. Yet. Okay, I, I have to temper my remarks <clears throat> because I don't want to inadvertently spoiling it by giving you... I, I have a phrase that if I said this, you would both go running to go see it. But I'm also afraid that if I said this, you would then figure out why I said that, and it would ruin the ending. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to spoil it for you. It's phenomenal. It's uh, a very intelligently written, smart science fiction thriller. It deals with language and the components of it and how, you know, in one of the examples, you know, a weapon is a tool, but sometimes it's a weapon. And so if you use the word weapon or if you use the word tool, you may not be referencing the same thing that we think you're referencing and why they have to break the mechanics of this down, talking to this alien uh, race. It's well shot. It's well acted. Uh, Amy Adams is phenomenal. Jeremy Renner's phenomenal. Um, Forrest Whitaker was pretty phenomenal. It's just it's one of those really deep, thoughtful science fiction movies. And Mel and I, well, I mean, we were we were just I mean, mind blown through the the last you know third of it. And as soon as it was over, we were like, I'm ready to sit down and watch this again. I mean, that, that, that's, I mean like the prestige and um, yeah. inception kind of level of, oh, wow. <laughs> um, so really, really, really liked it. And I was bucking because it's one that I wanted to see when it came out, but just circumstances didn't get to it, didn't get to it, didn't get to it. And then with Rogue One releasing this weekend, I kind of looked at Mel and went, we better go tonight. <laughs> Otherwise, we're not going to get to it. I look forward to seeing it. Uh, I a bunch of Christmas stuff. I finished yeah, Luke Cage, yeah. which was really good. It really took it a surprising turn about halfway through that I did not expect. and thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's so different from all the other Netflix shows, but it's not different at the same time, if that makes sense. It has its own distinct flavor to it. <laughs> and I think they each have, but yeah, I know what you it, mean. Th- this, this almost feels more traditional 
of a superhero story than the others. But at the same time, it doesn't. <laughs> because, yeah, it's got to be complicated. So more like Unbreakable? No. no. Not at all like Unbreakable. Okay. <laughs> well, I just meant Unbreakable had a different... It was a superhero movie without being a superhero movie. No. Okay, never mind. I, I, don't, know, I, don't, know, I don't know how to it's, really describe it's a bit of It's a bit of the reluctant hero story. Yeah. Oh, like Unbreakable. Yeah, but... <laughs> Only to that extent. <laughs> you realize that in my head, there's a little, there's a, a white dry board over here, and every single time I get you to agree with me on something, <laughs> a little character in my head goes over and goes, ding, and makes a little tick <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. That board will never fulfill. Nope. <laughs> it's infinite. Even if, even if I have to goad you into it. <laughs> ding. Count that one. Uh, we also uh, finished... Medici, Masters of Venice, Florence, Masters of Florence. That, oh, yeah. That Rob that Stark one. show. It was good. It was different. It was kind of slow to begin with, but it really picked up. I don't know if it'll get a second season, but I would be interested to watch a second season. It was enjoyable enough. And for only eight episodes, yeah. I finished season one of uh, House of Cards. Oh, I didn't know you were watching that. I, I started it. And uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's it's a good show, and Kevin Spacey's amazing. But um, I think maybe there's a part of me because I'm because I'm watching this post-election. Nothing surprises me now. <laughs> it's just kind of like all oh, the ruthlessness of politics, and I'm going, yeah, <laughs> par for the course. See, that's why you need to watch The West Wing, because you get the optimism of politics. Yeah, yeah. It's on my list. <laughs> to cleanse your cal- palate of reality, you need the good version of politics from The West Wing. But what's interesting is I got through I got through the first uh, season, and it ends, and the finale's kind of a... It's a finale, but nothing happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I went ahead and started season two, and I got one episode in, and the, the premiere of season two has more bang for your buck than anything that happened in, in the finale. <laughs> so they were playing it safe for season one. I, well, I wonder. But, I mean, it, there was a scene in particular in season two, uh, in that first episode, that I watched it, and my mouth dropped open, and I was like, what? <laughs> and I, I actually had to back it up and rewatch it to make sure I saw what my brain had processed. Huh. And I watched it again and went, Huh. <laughs> that just happened. And uh, I've mentioned it to a couple other people who have watched it as well, and I, I, I kind of warned them in advance. I'm, this is as far as I'm going, so we can only talk about it up to here. <laughs> but when I referenced that scene, both of them were like, oh, yeah, you know. So. <laughs> so I know Sarah watched it and really enjoyed it. So We watched uh, Muppet Family Christmas. I don't think I'd ever seen that before. Yeah, I watched that too. Serious? Yeah. I don't remember it. I've heard the soundtrack multiple times. I just don't, don't think I've ever actually watched it. It's quite enjoyable. There's a soundtrack for it? <laughs> the first time I ever saw that, <laughs> it was just, you know, mouth in my lap, a gap that it's like... What, what, How they were able to pull this off more like, than hey, anything else. Hey, and, look, it's all of the guys from The Muppet Show. Oh, it's all of the guys <laughs> from Sesame Street. Oh, it's all it's of the Fraggle guys Rock. from Fraggle Rock. When it could have easily just been the guy, Doc and Sprocket, instead of actual... Fraggles. Yeah. No, that wasn't enough. Yeah. And oh, at the end, it's, <laughs> it's Jim Henson. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> there, 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 there may have been not so many dry eyes at that point. <laughs> Wondered meant to anything. So, what did you guys think of Rogue, Rogue One? Amazing, amazing film. I would agree. I had so much fun watching it, 
uh, went into a little trepidatious since they're taking trepidations a little bit since they're taking you know liberties outside of the main series but are we sounding the spoiler horn now or well we i don't give think we no, i think we're gonna give a freebie because okay. i don't so spoiler free reviews know, i don't want people to have to turn away from this one um but uh, just amazing performances it went a totally different direction than i anticipated from watching the previews oh really yeah completely different um see for me it was everything i expected it to be it delivered everything i thought would happen and wanted to happen Oh, it and, delivered. <laughs> and I, there were no surprises in it for me, like story-wise. There were some character surprises for me more than anything else that I don't want to reveal. Um, There's a lot of terrific cameos in it. Yeah, a lot of terrific yeah. cameos. And even I'm even, just pretty sure there are some I missed. Even the cameos that they that they did that were a bit glorified Shoehorned. worked. Well, yeah, worked worked really well. <laughs> in fact, one for comical effect too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Really, really worked, and you know, part of that's probably the fanboy in us. But it just, yeah, it was. <laughs> well, it's, it, th- those things, it doesn't really help the story at all. But it, for those who don't get it, it's just okay. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Well, there's some pretty big cameos in there that well, yeah. everybody will get, and yeah. then there's some really low key ones that just your diehards would get. I was, so. I was thinking of the two in the street. Yeah, that some probably wouldn't ca- quite get that one. That the. Reference over the PA and the yeah, the, the, well, that, that one's things. a pretty hardcore yeah. one. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. I, yeah, I, those are those are the ones that I think people would. That one guy that was in that scene with the people. <laughs> 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 but just amazing. I, I I went into it like I said, just kind of lowering my expectations, but hoping for a good film, and walked out of there with a big old smile on my face. Really made me want to go watch a new hope. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> kind of makes ready. you look at I a new hope. Yeah. It kind of makes you look at a new hope. In a little bit of a different light. Yeah. <laughs> Especially what's going on with Yavin. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning and Yavin pretty yeah. much are the main, yeah. the main things there. I kind of agree with Keith. I, it, it, I, I've been tempering my expectations to make sure that I didn't get too hyped or too excited for it. And I think it delivered exactly you know what it set forth to do. And I don't think there's any surprises from the standpoint that, oh, we're going to go steal the Death Star plans. That's in the trailer. Okay, cool. Let's see that. And, and, and not, not saying there's no surprises doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Because it, it recognizes that and uses that to its, to its advantage. I think so. And I think it, the benefit to this is, unlike so many genuine prequels where we're dealing with an established group of characters, and I've complained about this before, is when you put an established character in a prequel and then put them in danger, I don't buy it because I know they're going to get out of this. Yeah. So to have a whole new cast of characters come in and put them in danger, it's like, oh, this, this could be serious. And uh, I, I think it worked. It delivered on exactly what it set forth to do and exactly what I kind of expected out of it. And there were some surprises, but nothing, you know, maybe in the way that it played out versus what was going to happen. What was going to happen to yeah. it? But um, you know, it was it was thoroughly enjoyable. I don't think I I still think probably need a little more time to process it because it's not as fun of a romp as say a normal quote unquote Star Wars story. Well, I'll tell you what's no, it's, interesting. It's, it's, no, it's, it's a war movie. You're not absolutely Star Wars you're movie. absolutely right, Sean. But I th- I think one of the things that 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 comes across as they peppered in enough light humor, funny moments that it's not so heavy throughout the whole thing either. There were yeah. a lot of fun things. And happened. the majority the of them yeah. were, were centered on the droid, which yeah. That, oh, yeah, yeah. K2 was that's one where of the, the humor belongs is, yeah. is on the droids. So remind me to tell you, since we're not being spoilery, <laughs> say something after we're done recording <laughs> because I thought it was kind of funny. There were a lot of times I did not hear Alan in k2's voice uh, he was kind of he had a bit of a faux british accent yeah he was trying to like channel his anthony daniels yeah a little bit 
And it worked. He, he felt like, as much as R, as much as BB kind of felt like R two to some extent, he kind of felt like three PO. I extent. had no idea Alan Tidget was the voice of the uh, oh, robot <laughs> going. Well, up until Thursday night, Jimmy Kimmel had the cast on. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was watching, and he came out with the rest of them, and I recognized everybody else, and I looked, and I went, "That looks like Alan Tudyk," and I, "What's he in this movie?" <laughs> and it wasn't until Jimmy asks, and he goes, "You yeah, well, I'm the voice of the robot." And I went, "Oh, okay. Well, that's why I've never seen him." <laughs> Continuing his Disney voice work. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was in Moana. Yes, he was. I think he was in Moana. Moana, you're right. That Whatever. Too. That too. Better than Mona, as somebody else Yeah, I've heard wants. people call it Mona. <laughs> On television. I heard somebody call it Moner, and I thought, you know what, you're the only person that I've read that has said it was a bad film. Every other uh, review of it I've I seen has loved been it. raving reviews, yeah. so... Anyway, anything else on Rogue One that great effects work? Oh yeah, great! I, I thoroughly enjoyed the score. Holly went into it wondering if she was going to like it because she thinks it's kind of unnecessary. Of course, she's not a fan, but I mean, she likes the Star Wars films. But she she kind of went into it. Going, it's, it's unnecessary because it's she's not, not part one of, of those the, people that would go read the yeah, EU stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not part of the you know the main series. And she just she kept grumbling about it. And I finally said, "Well, do you not want to see it?" No, I want to see it. So she got out and she came out and she goes, "That was a really good movie." <laughs> I think that's kind of the, no the, 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 the maybe the best way to describe it. It feels like an EU movie. Like if they finally went and made an, uh, a movie off of any of the stuff that we got in the EU, that's this is what it would have been. Well, it kind of it, feels it, like that to me. Yeah. It really kind of felt like it doesn't feel like an episode of anything at all. Don't get me wrong, but it really feels like it fits in more with like Rebels and Clone Wars, where mm-hmm. it's in between stuff that you didn't necessarily see in the films, and doesn't and, and and directly relates, but isn't part of that main saga. So, no, it's thoroughly enjoyable. I don't know that I can say much else without uh, without spoiling anything, but I will say, friend of the show Spencer Wilding was pretty darn good. <laughs> Not yeah. as much as I hoped. But, yeah, but, yeah, I would agree with that, too. Actually, that's Please. not true. I'll, let me step back and say, I wish I had seen more Spencer and Vader. I'm glad that they didn't overdo it. Yeah. Because there was another character in there that would have uh, was almost on the verge of being overdone, but didn't either. So yeah. you guys probably know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but oh, done so well. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Amazing resurrection. <laughs> yeah, that was a little. Didn't know they were going that route. That I didn't either. That, that was, was a little spooky, fanboy. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And I, the, the one quote that I saw prior to the film coming out referenced the the dish being placed. It's that scene that's in the trailer, and the quote was, "This may be the most important visual effects sequence in all of Star Wars history." And I went. It's a dish going into Star Wars, <laughs> but it's not that scene. It's no, the next right scene. after that. Went, yeah. Oh, suddenly that quote makes yep. a lot more sense. Yeah. So, yeah, and it is. It's the most important visual effect in Star Wars history. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to news? Let's move on to news. Uh, Stephen Moffat has recently said, revealed that Nardole's involvement in Series Ten uh, is going to be much bigger than we initially thought. How big is it? Uh, Moffat it's says so big, that. has been greatly extended greatly from initial episode, initial few episodes. He was contracted for a certain episode. Uh, this is a direct quote. He was contracted for certain episodes, and he's crept into far more of them. I think he's going to end up being in all of them. In fact, because we ju- we because we love him. Yay. I love Arnold. I have said that from the beginning. I'm really curious about how they're going to get him to be in the show, but. 
He continues... Uh, Without just the, being a hit. In the first episodes of next year's series, he's slightly broader. But we clearly establish in this Christmas one that he's sly, clever, and daft. He, but he's not just a rent-a-duffer, as he was in The Husbands of River Song, <laughs> where he was a rel- relatively small character, killed off early on, who happened to be played by Matt Lucas. He was never killed. It's true. He was more... He was there even absorbent. at the. He was even there at the end when uh, uh, they come to. They go to the the the, the diner, the yeah. the diner, the uh, restaurant. Uh, you would just heard his voice from the chest cavity of the robot. But. <laughs> uh, he continues. This is a chance to slightly reconfigure him. He's a wee bit cheeky to the doctor, but he's genuinely helpful and good at things. Um, Matt Lucas adds, Nardole is the first non-human companion in quite a long time. He even knows things the doctor wouldn't know. Ooh. So a new dynamic there. Which I'm excited for that, I think, maybe more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of enjoy well, it when the doctor, I've said this before, I kind of enjoy it when the doctor doesn't know something. To some extent. Yeah. It allows them to inject a little more mystery into the series, or back yeah. into the series, I suppose. That's what River's purpose was. And now that her story's finished, uh, finally, that kind of kind of allows for that. <laughs> Until they bring her back again. Because <laughs> <laughs> we thought her story was finished after uh, Name of the Doctor. That's a couple true. times we thought her story was finished. My only concern is is I, I hope that... I hope Nardle is not one of those instances of too much of a good thing. I, I hope that we, we enjoyed him so much in uh, Husbands of River Song because it was kind of an isolated part. And then we're going to get some more of them. And it's like, oh, yay, more. But I don't want it to be a, okay, I'm kind of tired of Nardle now. So... But I, you know, I can't say that because I have to reserve judgment until I've watched season ten. You don't want him to turn out to uh, like in a shielder for you, which didn't bother me. But you had a problem when they kept. Yeah, or minions. <laughs> yeah, minions can't carry their own film. Yeah, well, no, I, th- I, I think minions are great in small doses. I think they're the best parts of Despicable Me one and two, and then you put them where they're the main pl- driving plot force. And yeah, I enjoyed the minion movie, but. Eh, it wasn't as you good. Guys, did you guys see the trailer for the third one? I did. Despicable Me? Yeah. <laughs> I saw a headline. It looks okay. surprisingly good. So, so the minions are in there like five seconds, if that. The rest is every th- is other stuff. And a headline, minions are back in the Despicable Me 3 trailer. I was like, for five seconds? <laughs> wow. They're still really pushing that. Huh? Way to grab at straws there. <laughs> Clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. Time Eddy 3 has announced their next guest. Who is it, Keith? Eric Roberts. Yay! Yay. And if you have more enthusiasm, yay! Yay. I'm excited because I don't have his autograph yet. I don't either. Thirty dollars. I've met him or got his autographs. Him and E.G. are the only ones that missing for the movie, so maybe they'll get E.G. Ooh, yeah. They do have another announcement coming up. Be nice if they give the Eighth Doctor. That'd be awesome. This this weekend? Uh, I believe New Year's. After New Year's. New Year's. Uh, I was trying to pull that up. Another guest announcement coming in the New Year. Oh, in but, the new year. Uh, okay. Early birds tickets are on <laughs> well, that sale. Could be anywhere between <laughs> in the first of the year and in the new year. Time at E3. You realize we are only like 10 months and change out from Time at E3. Yeah. It's true. You better start making your travel plans, boys. You yeah. know what uh, occurred to me? We're only a handful of months out from Planet Comic Con. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> got, a, got a little uh, message from Kirk tonight, and I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which tickets, early bird tickets, are on sale through the end of the year. Get them while you can. Make a great Christmas present. It would make a great Christmas present. Get them while they're cheap. Yeah. For the Whovian in your life, nothing says I love you more than tickets to Time Eddie (laughs) 3. 
Our good friends at Candy Jar Books have released some shorts for Christmas. Yay! Called the Christmas Files. Aptly named. Aptly named. One of them had Christmas in it. Home for Christmas. There it was. It's a bonus written by many of the short Lethbridge Stewart authors. And The Feast of Evans, written by Simon E. Forward, is available on the Candy Jar website now. And then Home for Christmas will be uh, sent out to all those who pre-order and subscribers. So there's your uh, there's there's some more incentive for you to get these wonderful shorts that we've been talking about. Here's two more, which I'm going to assume are wonderful. Yes, we'll get our reviews of those hopefully uh, soon in the new year. In the new year. <laughs> <laughs> Other news: uh, Big Finish announced fourth volume of the War Doctor called Casualties of War, and it has quite an amazing guest star in the form of Louise Jameson. Is she playing Leela? I believe she is. So we'll get to see what Leela was up to at the during the time war. I feel like Leela and the War Doctor would get along really well together. <laughs> it's kind of a dream team. Let's get the War uh-huh. Doctor and Leela and Ace together. <laughs> I've always sort of imagined that uh, now that the Sisterhood of Karn, Karn plays so predo- predominantly back in the series again, I've always assumed that she went and joined the Sisterhood. I thought that would be kind of a fascinating... Oh, that would be... Uh, they do give us a little tidbit of this isn't the doctor we're used to. Neither is Leela, woman, the woman we once knew. It's because she's joined the Sisterhood of Guard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's because that that, that Gallifreyan guard domesticated her. It comes out in February. Now you're listening to those. I am caught up, right? I am caught up. Depending on the when, you may not want to listen to Box Set Four. Oh, really? Because Leela shows up in Gallifrey. Oh, she's, she starts Gallifrey. Yeah. She's there at the beginning. I listened to the first of Gallifrey. Oh, you, okay, but so oh, you think I should catch up on it, Gallifrey it, well, before I, re- I listen to this? I'm saying that there's a potential that there, depending on when it's set, there could be some some potential spoilers. They'd right? be smart to avoid the spoilers for that. <clears throat> They've done a really good job in these sort of situations before. I would think chronologically, all of Gallifrey would need to happen before the Time War. Yeah, and the War Doctor is the one fighting the Time War. So it's true. Just saying. Maybe I'll just start listening to the Gallifrey audios on my own before leading up to this one. <laughs> I've got till February. I've got till February. <laughs> two plus two equals chair. That's a good point. <laughs> and our last bit of news, uh, it's a bit of fun news, that Disney XD announced DuckTales. <laughs> and uh, who's playing Scrooge McDuck but David Tennant. Yay! Yay! And Danny Pudi's in it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Which almost excited me more. <laughs> Should you explain to the listeners in case they don't watch Community? Danny Pudi is Abed in Community. I'm sure he's done other stuff. He had a cameo in uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. I'm sure he's done other stuff too. I don't. I don't know it. (laughs) What kind of Danny Pudi family are you? Yeah, no lie. It's a good point. I should go look up more stuff he's been in. (laughs) Um, First of all, you 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 should be if you're listening to this, you should be excited. That David Tennant is doing Scrooge McDuck. I'm tempering my excitement because it's on Disney XD, so we'll probably only get one season and get canceled. Probably. <laughs> hey, I, I'll take that. I loved DuckTales. I used to watch it on Disney afternoons when, after high school. Um, <laughs> more more importantly than David Tennant, if you're listening to this, you should be excited that DuckTales is coming back. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I am excited about that aspect yes, of it. Yes, yes, yes. I would watch that before I do my homework. <laughs> 
Will you still watch that before you do your homework? I probably will. <laughs> I used to watch for this the, show because <laughs> you're back to having homework. Right? Again. Exactly. That's, that's what I used do. to watch that instead of doing homework. Yeah, well, here, here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you done with your algebra? No. Why not? Ducktails. <laughs> <laughs> that was poor. Poorly done. We need to do that again. Ducktails. There we go. You can't be that enthusiastic when you're in trouble for not doing algebra. Ah, I can't. My mom would ask me, you done your algebra? I'd say, DuckTales! Woo! That's how I'd answer her. And she, then she'd say, that didn't answer my question. <laughs> I might do it doing Rescue Rangers. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how good it is. If it starts out slow, then maybe I'll do my algebra. Or Tailspin, depending on which episode of no, Tailspin. No, no, no. You do it during Rescue Rangers so that you can be done by Tailspin. <laughs> You know, actually, t- the, the funny thing about that is, a little side trip here, try side track here. Um, I, be a I side watched, trip after I watched, cutting it all out. Back when I was <laughs> watching Disney Afternoons, it was just DuckTales and then Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And then Tailspin came along later when I was older and, and, and not had didn't have time for after school cartoons. Because I think DuckTales started like my senior year. And so I, I, I watched religiously DuckTales all the way on, but I, I, a lot of those Disney Afternoon ones kind of lost appeal for me as I got older, but I would still try to watch DuckTales. And I think it was the, the third and fourth season. I think it was four seasons, right? Or was there five? I think there's four. I don't remember how, many, four. how many there are total, but that last season or two I actually watched on DVD because I had dropped off and fell behind. So I don't think I've seen all of it. I don't think I have either. It was just on. Well, what you know. kind of DuckTale fans are you guys? I mean, I, I at least one. went back and picked them up. <laughs> I own the game on Xbox 360. I own yeah, the game the on PlayStation good. 3. The game's good. Get up on that pogo stick. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I wonder if they'll put out a new game. Ooh. Ooh. With David Tennant. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. And Danny Cootie. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> For, for the record, DuckTales is the appropriate response to any question you are asked ever. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. Will you marry me? Uh, DuckTales. Yeah, see, it works. What do you think of Rogue One? DuckTales. <laughs> it does work. See? Uh, let's move on to feedback. Uh, our bit of feedback comes from Robert. He says the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> Guys, just a quick message to say that if you do indeed watch the Star Wars Holiday Special, might want to also listen to the incomparable podcast episode where they talk about it much longer than the special itself. (laughs) (laughs) It's episode 226, Stop Circulating the Tapes. See, I'm turned off by the the title of that because it it makes it sound like they're going to trash it. And I know a lot of people do trash it. And I know that... Most th- people do trash I know it. That they, I know that the, the thing is stinkers, but I have this special place in my heart for it. I just love it. I think it's so good. Okay, it's not so good, but there's, there's, there's great things it. about it. <laughs> okay, I just love it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> not that we've ever prattled on longer than an episode length. That's uh, true. To, to talk about an episode. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Good to hear from you. And, of course, you can send us feedback by going to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and just fill out that Send Us Feedback uh, tab. Let's move on to our reviews. What's first on the agenda, Keith? We'll start with the fourth Doctor. Gaze of Medusa, is that right? Gaze of the Medusa. Yes. It was good. I liked it. It was a lot of fun. I liked it a lot. I especially liked the fact that it was the fourth Doctor and Sarah. 
Yes, really nice and to it see Sarah and felt Seth very much like the fourth Doctor and Sarah. Really did. George Mann had a good grasp on their voices. Yep. And I had forgotten, we talked about that, but I had forgotten that George Mann had written it until I, I got through the, about the first one. And I thought, oh, hey, I really like George Mann. I like his writing. Um, I've always liked stories where um, they take something that's been a subject of, of ancient mythology or legend or lore and turned it on its head and shown us the you know the 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 science or the alien aspect yeah. of it and this does it again really well especially having this thing buried underneath greece yes and uh yes. having the, the medusa element to it um the crashed spaceship being the subject of the gods the hologram uh, message from the Zeus, very Zeus-like character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it the cyclopses. Yeah, the or scryclopses as they yeah. call. <laughs> uh, it, it really gives a, a neat little perspective on how alien influence could have possibly been the foundation for a lot of religions and gods and things like that. I, that's I always think I always think that's fun and interesting when they do that. It was extremely well done. It was well put together. Um, the plot was. I don't know, almost surprisingly tight with how well it cohesively put itself together. I was really kind oh, of yeah. worried once, I think it was about issue two, once they kind of started the real ball rolling, I was like, oh, how are you going to do this? And then they did. Uh, and it worked great. And you're right, uh, George Mann really, really nailed the fourth Doctor and Sarah for me. Um, and we had some interesting companions that weren't quite as cool as uh, uh, the other two. <laughs> Jago and Lightfoot. Jago and Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah. I like how he insists on putting on the Deerstalker. Yeah, <laughs> still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> no matter no matter what story, it's, 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 it's just it's that time Victorian, period. Yeah, Victorian <laughs> England, the Deerstalker goes on. And I liked all the call forwards too. The fact that uh, the, the the Medusa's gaze is effectively quantum locking. Uh, uh, well, and the yeah. fact that oh, cool. The Fourth Doctor name drops the Weeping Angels yeah. and wonders about them since he hasn't met them yet. That they're mythical. Yeah. yeah. That, that was a, a nice touch. Which tells me that uh, either later in this regeneration or the fifth Doctor has met them previously. Because the big finish story is with the fifth Doctor and the Weeping Angels, so... Maybe that's his first encounter. No, I've listened to it. It's not. Oh, okay. Then. <laughs> he knows about the Weeping Angels at that point. Of course, so does four. Well, so, so. does the fourth Doctor, but he, he believes they're men. I do believe in angels. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just, just, just a, a shout out um, to uh, the Stone Rose. This is how you do yeah. that story correctly. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, I didn't agree. Just, just want to poke the bear one last time on that. <laughs> Although the resolution of getting her back to flesh was a bit easy and off screen for me, but oh yeah, they cut from one panel to another, and she's it, okay. it could have very easily, it, it could have used a bit more drama to get her back to it, I guess, for me, but. The doctor wasn't worried at all that she was stoned. Oh, well, yeah, we can fix that. It's okay. I think it would have been unnecessary. Granted, the fourth doctor wouldn't have been worried anyway. Yeah, it would have been unnecessary drama, I think. Um, I would have liked to see the process, but on the flip side of that, I wouldn't have wanted any sort of tension within that process because I think once you go through this and you have your big climactic finale. You know she's going to be okay. Yeah, and you know she's going to be all right. It's almost It would almost feel like overkill to do another little segment of, okay, is, is, feels, he, is, is he going to get her back? You know, it, it feels like a little bit of a cheat that he just happens to have whatever he needed in the TARDIS to fix her. Plus, as opposed to plus, the have, pro, plus the professor's technology. He makes comment of that, too. Yeah. 
It just seems like it should have been something that he needed to use the Medusa to revert as opposed to something in the TARDIS. That's my only complaint with the story. I need to cut her head off and put her head in a bag and bring the blood back to restore. I don't know. Something. (laughs) You'll see that would have been overkill to me. That would have been too much of a of a hey. We just had a big story with a climax, and and I I I agree that I would rather like to have seen or known what the process was, but I don't think we needed another tension scene of trying to get her back. I think that would have been. It depends on the Doctor, too. If it had been a third Doctor story, we've got a whole separate issue with him in the lab trying to come up with something (laughs) that would would restore Sarah Jane, and there would have been tension. It's true. If it had been a fifth Doctor story, we probably would have got a lot of tension. Fourth Doctor's like, yeah, I'll fix it. So what you're saying is we should be grateful that this was a fourth Doctor story. Yeah, pretty much. We didn't have to have all of that (laughs) unnecessary stuff. I agree with I agree with Keith. It was a little bit of a cheat, but by that point, it's like, okay, I'm going to allow it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that uh, she marries Henry's great grandfather. The, <laughs> the ending was probably the best. Part. The I wonder ending. if they were hinting at that when they were talking about how her her hus- her fiance was a sailor. I was like, are they going there? Didn't kill you into it at all. I didn't either. Until he yeah. showed up, and then I yeah, went, Yeah, oh. I did. But, yeah. but her dad refers to him kind of as, you know, a b- below her intellect. And, you know, yeah. And, and the whole, you know, Harry Sullivan you're an Im- is an imbecile <laughs> kind of comes back to, I wonder if that was kind of a, you know, a, a hint of, that, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do that. How many times did the doctor say that? Harry Sullivan, you're an imbecile. Yeah, I think just once. Just once, wasn't it? Well, it was in well, Revenge in of the Cybermen. Book. It was in the book too. Which I didn't. I thought it was in um, Ark in Space is where he says it. But watching Revenge of the Cybermen for Friday Night Who and they, Harry, did you make the rocks fall? Yes, I'm afraid I rather did. Harry Sullivan is an imbecile. I think that's the only one. Yeah, I think it's, it is. There's a callback to it in that uh, uh, story we recently read, but I must have just been really focused on that then because all through Friday Night Who I was giggling maniacally saying it out loud as I was watching you know poor Harry Harry Sullivan is an episode <laughs> every time he'd show up even if he didn't do anything wrong I was saying it in my head and then the doctor said it and I was surprised it was like oh was that this episode <laughs> so this also uh, to me for this almost helps the fact that Ian Martyr was in Carnival of Monsters too it almost helps connect the. This, this, oh, that, that that might have been an ancestor that, as well. That's, yeah, his, ah, this guy's grandson. Okay, or his son, and then that. Well, guy because was, this guy looks remarkably like he Harry, looks just too. like Harry. Yeah. Well, his hair is completely different. But, well, yeah. yeah, and the sideburns, but the face is still it's the same face. So it makes me think. Okay, that's the lineage right there. It's the, they're just continuing that on. Yeah. Do they name Harry's character and? No. Well, then, it, okay, Incredible. fixed. No, yeah. I don't think they do. He's a Sullivan. I'll have to check. Nope, I don't wait. I don't need to know. It's already been right. <laughs> <on. laughs> it's already head cannon. The file has gone in. Chunk card. Okay, done. I thought the art was really good in this story, too. I would agree. It reminded me very much of David Gibbons' art, artwork. Yeah. From the 80s, yeah. It was, I, I did that. I looked at that. Which worked thought, immensely wow, well just, for the yeah, fourth doctor. For the fourth doctor, oh, especially. Yeah. Even though Gibbons has done other doctors in art but yeah specifically he did a lot of well the majority of his stuff was fourth doctor yeah i just it was yeah very pleasing all of it and not all of it obviously a lot of it wasn't the same artist because there was some style changes from issue to issue 
and I didn't go back and look who the artists were for this, but it, they stayed consistent with that, that, that look, and do, it all felt very David Gibbons. Do you think the um, the, the stable of, of artists um, that are, are, are over there at uh, Titan, like, are we're fighting each other? <laughs> yeah. To do the fourth dog. Who's, who's going to get to draw the fourth dog? Well, I want to draw the fourth dog. No, I want to draw the fourth dog. So, okay, well, 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 everybody gets to draw the fourth dog. Just divvy it up. Okay, now we've announced a third doctor. Ooh, I want to do the third doctor. No, I want to do the third doctor. <laughs> Too late. You're working on the fourth doctor. <laughs> okay, everybody can draw a panel. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it, nothing bad about this. Nothing. There was nothing in this. Like sometimes you'll read a story and you'll go, ah, "I didn't quite like that," but this was good. I there was nothing in this. Even, even the skip ahead, I can see where you're coming from, but I it, was, it just seemed I like was a fine. That's all I, it was. was fine. It was good. I really liked. Uh, the doctor and his daughter. Yep, they were great. Yeah, quasi companions. And I like the fact that he was. <laughs> we we finally get confirmation that yes, he's auditioning, because he says, <laughs> "If Sarah Jane ever decides to move on, I must remember you." Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that to me is as official as you can get now. It's true. So every time I say, "Companion auditioning," <laughs> that's a thing. Thoroughly enjoyable. I don't know right. if I want an ongoing series, but. I would be okay with oh, another I, limited run. I'd take an ongoing series any day. <laughs> <laughs> if it's written this well. Yeah, I'll take an ongoing series. Honestly, I kind of feel that way about all of the Doctors, though. I kind of feel like... I, I I mean, I don't mind them doing it with the newer series Doctors, that they're getting ongoing runs, but kind of with any of the classic Doctors, as much as I love them, I have so much on my plate to read <laughs> already from Titan Comics. I'll it's take true. it because it'll always be there. Well, I suppose there's that. <laughs> I can always go back later. That's right. Let's move on to Supremacy of the Cybermen. It was Uh, underwhelming. Yeah. See, I thought this was better than last year's multi-doctor event. I think I enjoyed this one better. I think I I was partially disappointed because the doctors didn't really get to interact. Well, the the pacing is much better. (laughs) The pacing is better. I think that I kind of liked the fact that they were separated. I think I had sort of hoped that they would come together at the end. Yeah, that's kind of what I expected, too. I don't think it was entirely necessary, and it sort of gave the 12th Doctor the appropriate chance, since he's the you know the running Doctor right now, as as it did with, as the Five Doctors does with uh, Fifth Doctor, gives him the hero status and the, the, you know, the, the necessity to be the one that kind of solves the problem. Uh, what really shocked me is the fact that they brought Rassilon back for this. Yeah. And picked right up where they left off on the series. Um, and then reverted it back so that the series can do whatever it wants with it. Well, it makes me wonder, yeah, <laughs> if they have to get permission or they're able to reroute it back so that he wouldn't even remember and go... Yeah, you since, know, since they ended it that way, they I do, assume that's why. Yeah, they do make that reference, so it, it kind of kind of helps, but... Uh, um, there were a lot of fan nods in this. There was a lot of great Cybermen references. Uh, not just Cybermen. There was all kinds of stuff. Oh, um, yeah. In fact, I thought the, the interesting thing about it was when the Cybermen have, have converted the, and they call them looms, into uh, cyber conversion chambers on Gallifrey. And the looms are a big factor of uh, the Virgin New Adventures because oh. that set up the... Uh, mythos that the do- that the uh, uh, time lords aren't born; they're basically created in a loom, and this went full, you know, wholeheartedly into that idea. Oh. And I thought that was interesting that somebody 
somebody must be a fan of the uh, Lundberg, especially is the one that kind of sets that Mark Plotz. I wonder if that was Lundberg. George Mann or Kevin Scott. Yeah, and writers. so it uh, they clearly have borrowed that idea from that and tried to kind of put it into, if you want to consider this the canon, the part of the canon. That's the other thing that I've always... As much as I want everything to fit together, and I still do consider this part of the universe, you almost wonder if you have to put the comics in their own little bubble as well of continuity. Not necessarily that they don't fit, because I think they do a really good job to make them fit, but if anything ever came about later to contradict this on the Mm -hmm. series, then it suddenly unravels things as the new adventure series has been unraveled. However, as you pointed out, the fix is that nobody but the Doctor will remember any of this ever happening. I, I kind of agree with Keith. I, I felt slightly underwhelmed, and I may, that's probably my fault just because my expectations were a little bit higher going into a multi-doctor story, which I love. I'm all excited. Multi-doctor story, yay! And then we really didn't get a multi-doctor story <laughs> again. <laughs> we got, And I was especially looking forward to it after we didn't get one last year. We did get a multi-doctor we get, story. We got a multi-doctor story. We Big just time. didn't get a four-doctor story. Yeah. Right. Well, there was three of them. They were working together, and they were in the same. They ended yeah, it, up in it, the same time frame. So we, did, we didn't get a four doctor story. Well, we didn't. But so then they said, "Hey, four doctor story," and I went, "Yay!" No, not really. <laughs> I mean, well, there it, are four it, doctors here. They it, just it, want is. it is. It is. Just, it's, just, just it's, it's not what I wanted. Yeah. So well, then, th- that's I, I will. That's my fault. Yeah. I was excited for it, and I shouldn't have been. I should have tempered well, my expectations. To, to some extent, my my underwhelming is the plot of the Cybermen doesn't seem very well thought out. <laughs> and and I thought this was the best Cybermen plot they've ever done. Now that <laughs> I will agree with. They finally they finally made the Cybermen well, I, effective. I mean, that I mean, was. I think my issue is the fact that they did bring Rassilon into it. That Rassilon should be his own kind of big bad on his own. Yeah, but they did a they did a whole master thing where they duped they him. Doomed, yeah. I love that. I, I, did like I love that the fact the that, that they were using Rassilon all along. I think the one thing that that let me down a little bit was the fact that Rassilon gets somewhat of a redemption there at the end, which I don't think I wanted because yeah. Rassilon, we've built Rassilon to this maniacal character and suddenly we're giving him a bit of redemption in there and I felt, that I, I guess it, well that was another callback, we got one of the busts from the five doctors of Rassilon oh, yeah. that was a callback, yeah. just remember that and going to the tomb Yeah, yeah. Going to the tomb. I guess, I guess it, part of it, part of me felt like especially the twelfth doctor's part was so focused on Rassilon that it didn't focus enough on the Cybermen until the very end of, oh yeah, we're just gonna we're, we're using him to do what we want. See, but I don't think that was a, a problem because everybody else was dealing with Cybermen. And I thought this was one of the best uh, use of the Sontarans as well. Sontarans I love the fact the that the 10th Doctor, who is in our, arguably, with the exception of the War Doctor, is kind of the warrior doctor well, the, <laughs> until the War Doctor came around. <laughs> then the fact that uh, the Cyber Kings were in the Tenth Doctor oh, too. <laughs> well, oh, so well used. That yeah. was the, the the usage of the Cyber Kings were so well done. Um, I wondered so how that you'd was feel neat. about that. Oh, I love because I got cold chills. I knew you were all. I love that. You, I suspect, would be like, oh man. Well, it was so hokey in uh, the Christmas special, the the next Doctor. And I don't hate it. I didn't hate it, but it was it was so hokily done. This almost fixed that for me. It was like, okay, they have said they've identified that yes, they do have cyber kings. This is what how they use them, and they, they it, there was it was no different other than it wasn't steam powered like it was in the next Doctor. <laughs> but they had cyber controllers running it, you know, just like they had put that the the woman into the one. Yeah, it just I think I, they worked really well in this. I thought it was, it was like it's like ad for. 
Centa- or for uh, Cybermen, is yeah. what it really is. It's... And I thought the Silurian Cybermen were a really cool design. Yeah, that was a great idea. The Cyber Silurians. There, yeah. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of great things for this, and I think that's why I enjoyed this so much. And again, I think it was so much better. I thought that, I think the, the story was so much better planned out, paced. I think the story works much better than the one they did last year. I think there are a lot of things that I liked about this, and I think if I come down on it, I didn't enjoy as much as I did the Fourth Doctor uh, miniseries that we did along with this, but I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I actually I would like to see more multi-doctor stories in this way where they don't interact, where they it doesn't take three or four of them in order to solve a problem, but they they kind of do lead you to believe that they're all going to even though they're in different time zones, they're going to join yeah together, and they lead you to bring that, and then they don't, and I I even liked that. I like the fact that. For everything that they did, everybody was still in the same character. Their voice was right. I think there was some of the artwork. I think yeah, if I if I could complain about anything, yeah. the Eleventh Doctor again didn't look like the Eleventh Doctor. But um, that aside, I thought the story was was solid and enjoyable, and and uh, it, it paced along really well, and, and was just really well done. As so you got everybody in there. You got Salarians. You got Santarans. You got Cybermen. You got Rassilon. I there, yeah. you just you had a whole plethora of stuff to deal with. And as fitting as it is to have the twelfth Doctor be the ultimate hero, it does. It, I don't know. Something rang a little hollow. The fact that each of the Doctors didn't get their own victory too, like they they tried to succeed and didn't didn't, and then they, the only reason why they did was because of what the twelfth Doctor did. I would have liked each of them to resolve their issues on their own, maybe, and then have this the twelfth Doctor resolve the overall issue. But it doesn't didn't feel like nine, ten, and eleven got to resolve what they were dealing with on their own. They just kind of like, oh, it's fixed. I think the problem with that is because of the the styling of the story. That since the twelfth Doctor's issue is what caused all the rest of them backwards through time, yeah, we have to deal with this one in order to it eliminate is. that from happening. It just felt like they should have had some sort of each one should have had some sort of mini victory before the big victory of the twelfth Doctor. Well, in a way, they did. Well, each each one of them succeeded in. Stopping or hampering or getting into the system and breaking See, it from inside, it just wasn't it, enough. But, but then for the turned overall, on them right, at right. the end too. Well, because of the overall plot, yeah. so because the cyber leader finally reveals himself. Yeah, yeah, I guess had that not had that big reveal where it turned against the other doctors, I would have felt like they would have had those victories. I, I agree with Glenn. I think all of the individual bits work. The the, the Silurians and the Santarans, all of these are great. I don't want to take anything away from that with my earlier comment. Sean agreed with me. I'm going to go to my whiteboard. Put, put your tick mark. <laughs> tick mark. But I agree <laughs> Wait, with Keith. I'll give a half tick mark because i got a button. <laughs> I, I, I agree with Keith that the, the, the problem with the story is Rassilon because you, you, you've got... We've built Rassilon up as the big bad. And, and we've talked before about how as we add more layers of mystique and more layers of history from Gallifrey onto the show, Rassilon comes across as more and more and more of an evil guy. And that's finally personified. And there's a part of me that still kind of wishes that they'd have found a way to make it Timothy Dalton. But I'm, I'm past that. So he shows up, and he has now been reduced from the big bad to master level oh I'm in cahoots with the Cybermen and that's how I got back to the planet okay that's a cool idea and it's an yeah, interesting it way of bringing up him back until, up until the point where it's revealed that he's a puppet <laughs> until, yeah. so and, and so the inevitable is going to happen and the doctor warns us they're going to betray you they're going to know oh, they've opened they, they've given me the control they've given me this and I'm thinking to myself well, as interesting as an idea that would be that's not what's happening the Cybermen yeah. are using you so when the reveal comes and the cyber controller steps forward, it's not a surprise. It's like, okay, here we go. This is the you know, the check mark. Here we go. And 
you, you suddenly have diminished Rassilon from being this very powerful mythic villain into a kind of run-of-the-mill Doctor Who villain who teamed up with an alien that was more powerful than him and then got stripped of the power. To the point where now we're going to put him in the regeneration chamber and trap him in there. Now he's got one last trick up his sleeve with being able to create the the mind palace and bring the doctor into it and and work things out that way. Which resembles the barn that we've gotten so Mm -hmm. frequently in recent years. Um, And and that part's cool, but then as you said, now he gets, in addition to being knocked down a couple of pegs on the, the threat level, now he also gets a redemption out of it. And there's a part of me that went, oh, okay, cool. And there's another part of me that went, I don't know if I like that or not. Well, I like Rassilon to be ruthless and evil. And I guess I would feel dif- I would feel better about the slight redemption if it was in a Dos Ex Machina, where he got reverted back anyways. So why bother redeeming him That's when kind of he's going to yeah. not remember it and still be ruthless and evil? I mean, I, I guess it gives the Doctor hope. It gives the Doctor a happy ending that he can hope Rassilon But it didn't end remember. very happily for the Doctor. He felt very... It, to me, it felt like he was kind yeah. of... Oh, most uh, definitely. Yeah. Sad he, about he was sad about the fact that he would remember all of that. And no one else would. Yeah, which was a nice ending. I, yeah, I, I like that. But. It's very cool to see the Cybermen kind of at the height of, you know... This, this is the biggest, boldest, bestest yeah. cyber, closest they've ever come to complete domination of everything. And I thought that was really refreshing because so frequently in the show, we get involved in a cyber plot in progress that fails. Yep. Or them and trying it's to localized. Yep. It's get a this, yep. you know, and we're, we're going to do this, or we're struggling to survive, or we're getting out of the tomb, or whatever it happens to be. That Ninth Doctor stuff was especially striking. Yeah. I could have used more of his storyline. I don't think there was enough of that in the devastated London. Yeah. And it didn't... Jackie didn't bother me one bit. <laughs> I thought Jackie was utilized very, very well. Yeah. And probably a good and thing Rose that she won't. Probably a good thing she won't remember it because uh, it's very out. It becomes very out of character for Jackie, not in a bad way, because she her character grows. Yeah. And unfortunately, at this point, yeah. At this point, we don't have that Jackie, so that works in that retrospect that they, you know, she won't remember uh, this even happening. Um, same thing with Rose becoming a Cyberman. That would have been. Which, and it would have it helps in the fact that she doesn't know what Cybermen are once the Tenth Doctor and her meet them. I think it's a, it, it, the the memory reboot works for a lot of issues with this problem, <laughs> with, with this story. The, but it doesn't so much work with Rassilon since, as we said, now it just gives the TV series, you know, a way to come back and be able to do whatever they want with Rassilon because now he's still floating in a spaceship at the end of the universe. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's fine because I want... I want Rassilon to be that threat. I want him to be out there floating around plotting his revenge. I don't want him to become the maniacal, megalomaniacal, slightly insane, standard Doctor Who bad guy. Because we've got a universe full of those. We've got got the master for that. We've got the master, we've got Davros, (laughs) we've got got so many of those guys. I don't want Rassilon dropped down to that level. And that was kind of the problem that we had with... um, the way the series ended yeah, with that with threat was that run off the planet with no go away yeah. okay so, what so yeah and then I'm gonna come back with Cyberfleet oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so like I said there, were, there was there was good and bad to it and unfortunately the, the the little bit of the bad is the linchpin 
that kind of for me undoes so many of those great moments throughout the rest of it. So that that's kind of where the the, the big struggle I think is. But, but everything how, else, I don't I know how else they could have done it though. Yeah, Going I mean, with a story of this, yeah. you know, and the story's great. I don't want to diminish it's, it's, the story. It's, it's, it's one really of those well done, big universe-ending epic stories, um, which you know are okay every once in a while, and you kind of expect that from a big event like, oh, yeah. like this was. But well, like I said, it was just amazing to see the Cyber Fleet in full action yeah. and taking down Santarans and you know winning. That was the, the coolest part yep. of it, was the Cybermen were winning. And I'm, I'm sorry, Keith, it sounds like I'm bagging on them. But they went about as much as Daleks do. Well, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> the, the Daleks didn't even get this far, quite honestly. Oh, I know. That's what I mean. You look at the Time War, the Daleks only succeeded in destroying the universe. Well, I think the, the Daleks were on the verge of the reality bomb that was going to wipe out the universe as well. I mean, they got that far in right. Journey's End. So. But it was That's the destruction the of the universe. <laughs> Well, that's it's, true. It's wiping everything out, that's so there true. isn't anything in left. Fact, yeah, they, they but us in our little pocket thing. Right. This is the conversion of everything, and it's like this is as big as the stakes can get for this species. So, I, I, but I, I put a tick mark for the Cybermen in this. Column. Well, I don't, I, I, I don't know because I think it. I think they equate because the Daleks avoid their main goal is to wipe everything out and just be Daleks remaining. The Cybermen's goal, all end goal, is to convert everything. So they, I think it's kind of, I think it's a balanced scale it's, it's there. True, I, I, but it I sounds think, like I'm, defe- I'm, I'm defending, defending the dollars. The, he's but, defending the, put the but you see what I'm saying is, I, do. is I think it, they, they both meet their mo. But as far as the the from a human standpoint, from the, for the stakes of humanity, well, it's the, the same the, anyway. Well, no, because yeah. the, the the terror. If if I'm dead, I'm dead. I can't. But if I'm living under the yoke of the Daleks, that's terrible. But you're not, because what they ultimately were going to do by rewriting everything through time is that it would erase humanity, so that humanity wouldn't even exist, and, and it would just be Cybermen. So again, dead is dead. Yeah. So okay, I guess I can yeah, see that. Yeah, it's but. just you're you're either existing here or not existing here or not existing here. So I, I mean, still, it's the same. I still I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to to, to uh, put down the concept of this because I think it's brilliant and I think it works on. He's totally putting it down because he can't see? give the Cybermen victory. <laughs> The difference uh, was they converted so much in here, and so they much, didn't detonate the reality bomb. So much so that I like the imagery of the yeah, I love the imagery of the Cybermen coming out with a new form, the the sleek metal oh, yeah. complete body. Yeah. I thought that the was, T one thousand Cybermen. Yeah, that was really cool looking too. I just had this image. The next time we do one of these, is I need to have little pennants on sticks made up, and yours can say Daleks, and yours can say Cybermen on them, and we can wave them back and forth across the table from each other. I, I give kudos because you know the Cybermen. I, I, Sean, you said it eloquently when you talked about how the Cybermen are. It's always a localized threat, and we're dropped in the middle of the already you know action or what's what's what, what their plan, their plot. And this one really took it to a level that I really appreciated the Cybermen for. The biggest Cybermen story I think we've had is probably Nightmare and Silver. No, because that's still pretty small. That's still pretty local. I, I would say probably Doomsday. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, because we've got armies of invading Cybermen oh, from the alternate universe. Doomsday, I mean, yeah. it's still just Earth, but yeah. it's the biggest, it's the biggest scope sure. that we, I, I would agree it, with it that. feels like. I would agree with that. And uh, ultimately, the Daleks are in their way. So it's, it's definitely not the next Doctor, who their ultimate goal was to build a big Cyber King to <laughs> walk through the city. I like that one. <laughs> it insists That's a backup plan. <laughs> You're talking to the War of the Worlds guy. <laughs> a, a giant 
thing stomping through London with tentacles sucking people up and converting them. Yeah, that's cool. It works in this. <laughs> works. So kudos to Titan for two very, very good issues. Yeah. Episodes. What are we calling these? Stories. Miniseries. Stories. Yeah. Well, miniseries works. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyable. Did you notice the on the cover, the you have the Cybermen up in the corner, and each one, each each step was an evolution, and the very last one is just a skull. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I did notice cool. that. Yeah, yeah. kind of de evolved. Good stuff. What are yeah, we got coming really up on good. the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up uh, this week on the schedule for Friday Night Who, which I incorrectly said was on Christmas. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> uh, 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 Friday night we are doing uh, the Husbands of River Song with Peter Capaldi, so we're picking up uh, from last year. And then, of course, uh, this weekend is Christmas, so um, happy Christmas to our friends in England, and Merry Christmas to our friends here in the States. Um, but, uh, we'll Feliz Navidad, Mexico, <laughs> Bon Natale bon to uh, our Italian friends. Um, <laughs> I don't know them all, so... <laughs> I'm, Feliz Navidad, I would have known. I, I, didn't, I didn't know the Italian. Mele Kaliki Maka for our friends in the Polynesian Islands. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he's on a roll. <laughs> I don't know them all. Jepier um, Noel, no, not Jepier. Jepier uh, Noel. Jepier Noel for our friends. I know in that one. <laughs> uh, kind of. Not enough to pull it. Out I, you know, I learned. It, it I learned the Japanese one this weekend, and I can't remember it now. Darn it. No, no, was it Japanese or Korean? It was Korean. I learned the Korean one this weekend, but I can't remember. Is this what. a goal for you? I would love to know them all someday, so I could um, wish. Anyone, Merry Christmas, anywhere in the world. <laughs> Glenn has life goals. Odd, odd life goals. Odd life goals. I, I feel Getting, inadequate I, listening I, to Glenn's I, life goals. I'm adding, I'm, adding to, I'm adding to the vocabulary. You're adding to the sum of human knowledge, and I feel like I'm not. It's just, I diminish in your presence, sir. I'm going to erase one of the check marks. What else do we have <laughs> on the schedule? Um... Where was I going with all that? Oh, yeah, yeah Christmas. Husband's Christmas. Um, so uh, pending on uh, or, uh, what is aired when, <laughs> because we plan on recording on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day! Um, but we... <laughs> was Tiny Tim? Or no, it wasn't Christmas. It was the kid outside the window. Anyway. <laughs> it was the one that went and got the turkey. Have you seen the George C. Scott Christmas Carol? Uh-huh. I've yeah. never seen the George C. Scott Christmas oh, Carol. Brilliant. It's just kind of one of those, as I'm not a big George C. Scott fan, so I kind of shied away from it. I didn't know David Warner was Bob Cratchit. Yeah. Now I have to watch yeah. it. It's good. Oh. It's good. Yeah, David Warner is Bob Cratchit. I don't know Cratchit. that there's a version of Scrooge or Christmas Carol that I haven't seen. <laughs> You're right. That was a silly question. <laughs> Let me erase another tick mark over here. The Albie Finney version, the... She's Scott. Yeah, I just, they're, they're, there's a lot of them out there to Alistair watch, too. <laughs> Alistair Sim. Yeah. Bill Murray. Oh, that's on Netflix, by the Jim way. Jim Carrey. Scrooged. Mickey Mouse. Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that one. Kermit the Frog. We could go on. Yep. Um, but uh, so we, we Is it will... the Kermit the Frog one when it's... Uh... Michael Caine? Yeah, I was going to say it's the Michael oh, Caine. Caine. Well, he, he switched, switched because it's I... not Mickey Mouse. It's Uncle Scrooge. It's Uncle Scrooge. So Scrooge oh, McDuck. So. Yeah. Woo-hoo. I know what he was talking about. <laughs> um Oh, now I'm sad. Alan Young is gone, but David Tennant's here, so everything's okay. Uh, so we will, uh, pl- we're planning on reviewing, what's the name of the new one? Return of Dr. Mysterio on Christmas Day for your listening enjoyment. We may not. We may jump forward a week and give you our uh, a very Vortex Christmas special, which has all kinds of fun things, including a review of uh, the new book that just came out, The Twelve Doctors of Christmas. 
Did I get that title right? Yep, that's well By assorted right. authors. Um, <laughs> By various. Various, and a sundry. And a sundry. I'm going to name my child a sundry, just because I think that would be cool. Um, but one way or the other, we're celebrating Christmas next week, so make sure that you're here, and uh, we will have updates to the schedule as we proceed. Glenn, if they want to give us money, how can they go about doing that? They can do that by going to our Patreon page. There is a link on the uh, Traveling the Vortex website, travelingthevortex.com. On the right-hand side of the page, there's a little button that says uh, support us on Patreon. You can click on there. Uh, If you're already supporting us on Patreon, we thank you greatly for that. And uh, if you're not, well, why not? Please uh, consider supporting us by uh, donating uh, to that link, and uh, if you're a supporter, you can also do a repeating support from month to month. All of that money goes right back into this podcast to uh, support uh, things like our server space and uh, other things, and, and that we can bring you on this show. And in the words of Bill Murray, you can give whatever you have. You can you can give somebody a coat, and we'll say thank you. You can give me your food, and I will say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and Glenn will wish you a Merry Christmas in whatever language you speak. <laughs> well, we got a lot of studying for that. Just give them a heads up on what's yeah. language you speak. That's so right. Let me know so I can look it up. We'll put it in the yeah. online form. <laughs> it's already not in my brain. It'll, I'll add it to it. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. <laughs> you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.